Namaskar Kindred Spirits. Welcome to another podcast for Yogi Horsewomen. Today, we're going to discuss how the importance of finding balance in our lives and in the big things as well as in the small things. And so much we see now is, is out of balance. There's chaos, which is a very rajasic energy. And rajasic is part of the three gunas that we talk about in, in yoga, which are the different types of energy that exist in all life. There's rajasic, which is strong, hot, movement, chaotic. Then we have tamasic, which is quiet, um, sluggish, lazy, inertia, slow. And then we have sattvic, which is a very harmonious state, a pure state, a state of where everything is in balance. And through life, we are always searching to find that balance within us. And sometimes if we're over-rajasic, or life is over-rajasic, meaning it's over-chaos, there's too much stress, there's too much things going on, we have to bring in a bit of the tamasic, the quiet quality, to bring us into that state of balance, that beautiful state, sattvic. So we're all looking for that. And this is also a natural state where horses are always looking to be in harmony. It's very important for them. Harmony and balance within the herd um, is their safety. It keeps them alive throughout all these years that they've been on planet Earth with us. So we're seeing a lot of imbalance in the world, a lot of chaos right now through what everyone's experiencing through the COVID virus and how it's affected us personally, how it's affected humanity and how it's affected us glo globally. At the same time that this rajasic state exists, there's also a tamasic quality happening too, where people are stuck at home. They've lost maybe their jobs or their financial income or different things. So their life has been put on halt. What can we do about this? We have to look for those balance between these two energies that we're seeing right now to bring that harmony and well-being that we're looking for. And in whatever situation we're finding ourselves in the moment. And from this place of fear and rage and frustration, this rajasic um, energy that a lot of us are feeling, and from being blocked and not being able to do, thing, do things that we're used to doing, we tend to lie around more, maybe eat more, watch TV. And now we're creating this tamasic, this inertia, which leads to disharmony and can lead to dis-ease within our body and to depression as well. So how can we bring harmony into these energies of chaos and inertia? It is a time we need to go inwards, to search inwards for the answers. And we've been given this time, actually, to, to have this time where we don't have the big to-do list, we've, where we can't do the things we would normally do. We have been given this time to we can actually go inwards and find answers, clear answers, our answers that we need for ourselves. And yoga gives us the tools. It gives us many tools to find answers within ourselves. When without is full of chaos and fear, Going within, we can connect with our essence and what truly is important. We can connect to our true self and find these moments of peace and joy and even bliss. And the more we do this, the more we create this sattvic, harmonious energy that will slowly, this will slowly change our perception on how we see things. Instead of seeing all the things like um, the glass half empty, we'll start to find the little joys, the little beautiful times, the little beautiful moments, the light within our light. And this is really important. This is going to create higher energies of positivity, higher energies of creativity, and higher energies of well-being, of feeling better, and seeing how you, you are really in this, in this life right now. And there's different yoga tools that we can use for this, and we'll talk a little bit about this. But just simple things like waking up in the morning, 
and sitting quietly for five minutes without doing anything, without turning on the news, without going to your phone, sitting in nature, looking out the window. If you meditate, go ahead and meditate, but just take a moment to breathe and be quiet and do this also before you go to bed. And you can add on the things you're grateful for that day, the beautiful things that happened to you that day, because there are always these precious moments to look in each day, despite of all the chaos that is around us. You can go for a walk in the nature and be in the company of your family, your dogs, your animals, your horses. Take the time. You've got the time, so take it. Be creative, write, paint, find a hobby. From your tamasic energy, add activity in your life to create more movement, more energy, more flow of energy. Don't get stuck. So today we will talk with our guest, Natalie Vanderbeel from Belgium, on how she is finding ways to have balance in her life with her partner, Asnik, and her daughter, Maya. They are professional acrobats, and this has been a very difficult for them due to the COVID-19. Show cancellations, there's many things they can no longer do, and they're stuck at home finding ways to figure out how they can move on in their life. Being a mother of a two-year-old during the COVID virus also has its challenges and its worries, and finding ways to create and make money is also difficult. Natalie came to us over seven years ago, a free-spirited woman who had her own challenges and difficulties to overcome. She left her home at a young age as soon as she could to discover who she was and find a way to heal her own wounds. A strong and determined personality, she wanted to make the world a better place and still does. She has the ability to dive into the unknown with fearlessness from Mongolia to Africa, the US, Israel, Ecuador, Costa Rica and Africa and India. She has traveled many paths. Her strong character has served her well, but also too gotten in her way. As a Taurus, she definitely has a stubborn side and that stubborn side has helped her continue her path and dream, but sometimes got her frustrated and out of balance. When Natalie came to us, to stay with us. She was passionate for horses and had experience riding in the forest freely in Belgium. She didn't come from a professional equestrian background, but she was connected with horse spirit from the very beginning. I remember those days fondly when we worked with the horses at Liberty and saw her connection and light grow. Going to yoga classes together deepened her understanding of her own physical body. So let me introduce you to this inspiring woman and let her tell her tales and experiences of how horses and yoga help her to bring balance and harmony into her life as a mother, partner, acrobat, equestrian vaulter, and trainer, and now as a yoga teacher. From a university student to studying medicinal plants, working with cavalli and horse vaulting, then on to air silks and acrobats and traveling circuses in Europe, to Guinea to help found and find donations and investments for an acrobatic school there, to become a mother and a yoga teacher. Natalie, is a human who believes change is possible to make a better world for all. Namaskar, Natalie. That's good. <laughs> Thank you for this beautiful introduction. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not finished, <laughs> a little bit more. So Natalie, I see you as a very strong woman who dives deeply and passionately into everything she believes is important. You commit yourself completely all the time, and this is a wonderful gift, but it's also caused you a lot of frustration, pain, maybe even anger and sadness as well. And we'd like to know a little bit more about how you managed to overcome this and what experiences in your life, and 
specifically with horses and yoga, has helped you have a better understanding and connect with your inner wisdom, with your with even your wild woman essence inside. Um, can you tell us to maybe to begin with a little bit about your childhood and how you grew up and what your dreams were as you began your life? Well, um, I think I always have had a, a strong mindset. Like it's not something that I that I have worked for, or it's it's something that has always has been part of my mind. So it's like I. I don't know how to be different than this. And I think everybody has his own, um, his own way of seeing the world. So for me, it has always been, it has always been to explore, to, to change, to make something a little bit uh, better. And I think that mainly comes from, I have been born in a family with a very conservative view on the world who took things a little bit for granted. You know, you wake up during the day, you go to your work, you come home, you do every day the same thing. And I saw how detrimental that was to the relationship of between my parents, how it detrimental it was for their own dreams, their own their own spirits, because they, you know, the eyes, they don't seem alive anymore. You have so many discussions between people. They don't seem to know where they want to where they want to go in life. I mean, the world is such a big place. There are so many things that could be done. And then you have all those people like daily doing things that they don't really love to do. And, and it, it's, it destroys themselves and it destroys also part of the world because imagine that all people like truly fight for their true passion. I think the world would be a, a very different, a very different place if people would just accept also their paths that which is given to us like when we are born and it has always pushed me like I you know they sometimes say you choose the family you are born in, and maybe I choose this family so it really would push me to to you know to go out of the box I was born in and to to try to you know follow my way um, I have encountered a lot of frustration and especially sadness when I was younger. I, I got anorexia when I was in my teens and I really got inside. I closed myself up from the world and, um, and horses were a really big companion for me during those years because horses, horses are naturally gifted with following their own paths. You know, if you are around horses, you probably know uh, what I'm talking about. They, they see the, their emotions, their behavior, everything is so fluent and, and fluid and natural that when you are around them, you find a moment of peace, even if everything in your life isn't about peace, you know? Mm. So horses really helped me to get through that period and to, to always motivate me. Uh, for some reason, you know, they, I don't, didn't have a lot of human friends or people to talk to, but I didn't really look, was looking for that as well, because I believe that a lot of humans talk too much in general in their life <laughs> and miss a lot of things um, going on inside them. So yes, horses were um, a really big motivation for me to look beyond what I was giving in life. And um Yoga was only later in life because I, in my teens, I also, I did a yoga class, but at that time I did, I wasn't really understanding what I was doing on that mat. You know, I was just in a room with a bunch of people and they were trying to touch their toes and somebody was saying, do this pose and do this pose. And I was like, 
I just, I didn't understand it. You know, for me, it was just like a, a modern way of stretching and there wasn't, there wasn't a really that the spirit of we are here to, you know, to go inside, to work on ourselves. It was, it was just a very strange experience at that time because I mm-hmm. didn't understand what yoga was. I didn't understand where it came from. I was drawn to it, but I, I didn't know why at that time. Yeah, often in the Western world, it, the yoga does get lost more in the physical aspect of it as well. So there's a lot of yoga classes, which I'm not saying are bad. It, it does bring people more into yoga and understanding that everyone has to begin somewhere. But in the West, we have a lot, lost a lot of that um, spiritual aspect, which is actually the soul and the essence of yoga. It is to transform ourselves, to reconnect with our higher consciousness and spirit. Yeah, so that that is definitely something that can help people as they progress their life when they start yoga. It's always a place to begin and then they can go deeper. Yes, and and uh, well, it's interesting that you talk about balance, uh, like people looking for balance maybe when they are doing yoga because I think people misunderstand balance often. Um, I have a scientific background, so I always look at words a little bit from from that perspective. And in science, balance is a change. Like there is no real balance where nothing changes. If there is if there is anything in any system, if it's a big system like the forest or a small system like some dirt, if there is balance or equilibrium, then it means that the speed of change is constant meaning that a balance is only there when things that come inside equals the, the things that go outside. So it's it's a change and, and it's not something static. It's not something that you will feel and it, it will stay like this for forever, you know? It's an always changing situation. And for some reason, our society has grown into a, a society where people cannot really handle change that well. Like we have learned to grow up in a society where you push on a button and you control something and it stays like this until you push on a button again and it stops. So people sometimes see their own being as a system like that, I believe. And when they, when they are looking for balance, they think it's going to be a little bit like this. But balance is just, it's those small seconds, you know, it's as, it's as being an acrobat, you know, when I, I can do 20 saltos, but there will only be one or two seconds that I have really felt the balance of my movement, my body, everything. And it's those seconds that you are looking for in, in any kind of practice, if it's meditation or yoga or walking in nature, you know, it's it's that change that you have to learn how to deal with, I believe in. And it's just very hard for people. They are so resistant to change on a big scale, on a small scale, that it's so hard for people to accept that. Like when you have an emotion, I see so many people, they believe the emotion is is theirs. You know, I'm sad, so I am sad. But sadness is an energy. It comes inside of your system. And if you want to be in peace again, you let it go outside of the system. And that's the ever dynamic, you know, it's the dynamic equilibrium you live in with yourself and with your surroundings. And even now you see in the world, there is a big chaos, but it's, it's also, it's, it's the state of this equilibrium, like you speaking about the different energies, you know, the Rajasic and uh, all those kind of the three energies you were talking about, they can easily be balanced again. So I'm, I'm for the moment, I'm not really living in fear about what is happening. Sometimes it does overcome me because, I mean, a lot of reason is going away in a lot of people and, and fear, I mean, if it's on a collective scale, then you, you also 
feel it. I mean, you can't mm-hmm. close yourself off from that. But if you're really looking balanced in these times, then you have to find ways, I believe, to let that fear go and to replace it with another feeling that also other people could benefit from. That is, uh, I, I love you where you came from, from a scientific way um, of speaking from a, a, that source, because basically yoga too, it is, um, it's called an experiential scientific learning of oneself. And it's only through your own experience do you understand. So it's not like... You know, a lot of people think yoga is la la land, all this, you know, it's not, yeah. it's, it's, you believe in what you experience yourself. No one's telling you to believe anything. These are the tools you try it and you experience yourself that it's not having a blind faith. It's really a, a practice of it, your own experience. And that's the energies. So often exactly the energies, nothing, everything is always moving from too much movement, not enough movement, to balance. It's always moving in nature, as you say. And this, this, this energy is part of our world. It's part of the nature. It's in every living thing and every living being around us. And it's in constant change. We need the tamasic energy. Otherwise, we wouldn't go to sleep at night. We need that rajasic energy. We'd never get anything done. So that's how we bring in balance. When we need rajasic, we'll, we need to draw on that. When we need tamasic, we need to draw on that to actually have that balance to be creative. And that's so important. And people also see these things as, like you, you said something about that, very interesting, that I am sad, but sadness is not us. It's an energy. It's a reaction to a situation. And then people will think it's bad. So often now society is, we have to be happy. We have to do everything, buy everything, do everything to be happy. It's always this, this, this race to be happy without actually living one's feelings. Our sadness is part of our life. It's part of our experience. To be angry is okay too, when we understand why we're angry. And if we need to, or is that anger unbalanced or is that anger actually a way for us to take action to create something? And so people have this um, disappropriate uh, attachment to happiness. Okay, and I just like you say, we are not happy, we are not this, it's not, it's just our reaction to something. And that yes, it does. It doesn't, it doesn't define us. It, it can define us for a moment in, mm-hmm. in our day or in our life, but it doesn't have to define us. And, and before I was also, I could be like that, you know, I was angry at somebody and I could hold on to that anger for days just because I didn't like to feel that way, but it was just like, it's something to hold on to. I know what I am. I am angry, but what do you do with that afterwards? I mean, and the more, the more quicker you can make this process of, of dealing with something that comes into your system, the more those moments of reasonable peacefulness will come, you know, but it's, it's a learning process like everything in life. I mean, if you look at, if I look at my two year old, she can cry. And then five seconds after she can laugh. I mean, children are so naturally dealing with those kind of emotions. It's, it's crazy. And then you can ask yourself, like, is this, is, is she really like meaning this? Because first she was crying and now she is laughing, but, but this is how children are. And I think we, we, at some point we lose that kind of natural, natural ability to deal with emotions and energies fast like this, you know, and we have to, relearn it again the older mm-hmm. become because of education and, and yeah everything yes I- I- exactly that and that well like you say about children and about maya they are naturally you know they they let it go they're angry and then they let it go animals you see dogs if they after after a dog fight dogs shake it off they literally physically shake it off and then they go back to doing their happy little life horses they move from um, flight or fight 
to back to grazing and relaxed. There's this constant going back in our central nervous system of the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system. And humans, we've got so attached to our mode, we hold on and don't let go. And when we hold on to that anger, we hold on to that fear, which, which is happening now in the world, the fear, we hold on to it. Almost it becomes like a comfort zone, something we're used to mm -hmm. and we hang on and we don't let it go. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be anger, but it's useful in the moment when we need it. Fear is, saves us from dying. Fear is an important energy that we need to have, but we can't switch back into the parasympathetic mode system of being relaxed and digestive. We get stuck in there. And then this is where all that disease in the body creates and everything else. So, and so we just really need to look at our children, look at our animals, look at nature. Yes, children, animals. And it also makes me think about people who live more connected to the land or mm -hmm. to, to each other even. Like I'm, when I'm, li I'm living with somebody from who was raised in Guinea and he has a very much more natural ability to deal with those emotions that like he can be angry at somebody and let it go. Just like that, just like not really, they don't have this holding on to emotions. Uh, and I believe because they do live closer to the changes of nature and they don't live uh, barefoot in a small village in a, in a, in a tent. I'm not, I'm not like referring <laughs> to that image of people living in Africa, but they do are more connected. They are just more rooted. They are more connected. They have more inner more strength. Rooted. and. Yes, they have, they have more capability to live with each other. Even if there is no extensive communication, like we sometimes are looking for between people, but they just have a more natural child-like, child or children-like capability to, to let go of stuff and to move on and to not think about it anymore or talk about it anymore while we are so in our minds and so in our heads that people just continue having these thoughts, you know, we, it's, it's a real learning process. And I think there is, it's a real big strength of yoga and meditation that it actually can give you a tool to stop this voice inside of your head who keeps talking and talking and talking and talking, because if you don't have any practice that requires your immediate attention, like for us, it's sometimes it's acrobatics because if you're not focused, you fall and you can do some dangerous stuff to your body. But I mean, meditation and yoga is, um, can really be a very useful tool for that, to really train your mind because it, it's, it's nobody is in a desperate situation because some people are so depressive that they think I cannot get out of this. I mean, it's not possible. I'm, I'm, I only have dark thoughts. I, I'm, you know, and I have seen people in, in a very serious situation also like with anorexia and people sometimes are very far, but we always have to remember that it's just a muscle you need to train and it's your, it's your brain. It's the only mm -hmm. thing you need to train and you have the cap the cap capacity, capacity for it. So it's, um, it's really, it's, a, there is always hope for me. There is always hope for everybody. Yes. The brain is, it, it's a wonderful tool, but the mind is a tool. It's a tool and we need to use it because it's a wonderful tool. It's how we create, it's how we build things, do things but we let the mind become us. They let the mind become our dictator really. And so exactly like you said, so people either connected to nature 
or finding tools through the path of yoga, whether it's meditation, as even just doing the physical practice of asana, it's still bringing that focus on your body and then more and more inwards. And that gives us tools to get us out of us, our, our, our heads, really. So I'd like to go back a little bit um, what, to asking you, what made you want to travel the world and, and, and explore? What drove you to do this? And what still <laughs> drives you to do this? <laughs> well, um, I, I do have to be honest. At first, I was 16 when I started traveling by myself. Um, I just wanted to get out. I just wanted to get away from what I thought was a very repetitive life of people not really uh, bringing input into my life. You know, I never grew up in a family where they were interested in, in lots of things. You know, they were just interested in the common things. And I'm, it's, this is not a judgment against people who are happy with, with a, a life which is very regular. But I just, I just couldn't. I just had such, a, my mind was always thinking about stuff where nobody was talking about and nobody was like interested in, and I don't know, in, in things that were happening in the world and, and, and life. And I was so connected when I was younger. I was talking to this guy and <laughs> I was really a little bit like such a child. So I went out just for looking people like me, I think, or maybe not people, but just situations where I felt more at home um, than I was feeling where I was living in a small village in Belgium. And I always remember the woman uh, making a drawing for me and she was, she was making a drawing and at one side she was drawing square, like squares, and at the other side she was drawing circles. And she said, look, you are now a little circle living in a world of squares. You have to get out of there and look for those other circles so you can actually <laughs> talk your language and find people to, to connect with. So I left that world of squares and I went out <laughs> to look for other circles. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I found some of them, like I met you, so I found another A circle. circle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and that was really my biggest motivation also to really, I'm, I'm, I'm a tourist, I really like to sense things, to experience things with all of my senses and I have never, I have never had a fear of traveling by myself. That that was that was really natural to me. So I can be afraid to go into a room full of people like I don't know and where I'm expected to be social and to be cool and to be you know that can make me afraid. But traveling the world, no. I have always thought like wherever I go, I'll find a place to to be home. You know, wherever the moon and the, the sun is, there is home. So. That really drove me to to go out and meet all those other cultures and especially learn. I had such a thirst for knowledge as well. And I, I couldn't, like, school was just not enough um, for me. But you definitely have an adventurous spirit. I mean, from riding in Mongolia, living with the family, I just love that video of you galloping through with all these little <laughs> Mongolian horses and the sheep and the mountains. It's just like, and you were so young when you did that, but that's your fearlessness, your spirit... Your, your thirst for life, really. I, I see it as you're just, you want to know, you want to feel. Like you say, being a Taurus, it, it, you have this desire to know, to feel, to experience. And that's beautiful. And I think that's opened up your mind in so many ways, but I think you had that mind since you were little too. And I think we all do. And somehow life just clogs people down. Um, we get influenced in good ways and bad ways by our families by our communities, by schools and everything else. 
And there, um, there are many good things in it, but some things have been lost along the way. These, um, I, I think children are losing that ability to, in schools especially, to experience life. They're told to sit in a chair and not move, to be quiet, not talk. They're children. You know, there's a lot of schools, like especially in Sweden and Denmark, I think Denmark's very strong in the schools where kids, um, classes are taught out in the nature a lot. As soon as they can, it's outside. They're allowed yeah. to move and run um, and express themselves and feel things and experience. So when they're learning something in school, whether it is math or something, it's still brought into the context of living life. And I think that needs to be really brought back into a lot of the, the mainstream of school these days. But let's go back to you before. I also wanted to talk a little bit about, because you came to us when you came to us. Well, let's first of all start when you came to us um, all those many years ago, about seven years ago. And you found, uh, I don't know, I can't actually remember how you found us, but you did. And you came as a volunteer. And at that time, I, was, I hadn't started the yoga with horses, but I, we were just starting it with Corinne and uh, you were our first person that we said, okay, let's try this out and you're going to be our pretend guest. And we had you up on top of Shiloh and doing the poses and breathing and everything else in that little pasture in the jungle there. So that was, that was pretty cool. When you first came to us, what were you looking for when you came to us? to the jungle, to the Caribbean, to horses, to yoga? What was... Well, that, uh, when I came to you, I had just graduated university. I had my, I had a bioengineer diploma, like cum laude. There were people asking me f to study even more, <laughs> to do a doctor, blah, blah, PhD, all those kind of things. And... The thing is, when you come from like university and you have good grades, people see you as intelligent, somebody capable of doing more. And I did not feel at all like that when I graduated. I just finished a master thesis in Ethiopia and I felt so useless at that time because I was thinking, what the hell? I just worked for six months on my thesis, living in Ethiopia also for five months, got sick, like seriously slick by living there, got through this whole kind of confrontation between black and white, which I was so not ready to deal with at that time. And, um, and nothing will happen with my thesis. What will happen with my thesis for the people living in a village in Ethiopia? Like probably nothing. It will just be like an article somebody published in a scientific journal and, and that will be it. So after I was really looking for experience, practical experiences, and I was in front of my computer and I just looked for stuff and there were several stuff who got like a ping inside of me, like an intuition. And, and that were the stuff that, that I, I went for, you know, I went to Israel in a kibbutz and then Susan Wee to learn with medicinal plants. And then I came to you and, uh, I have no idea anymore how I ended up there, but it just <laughs> happened. Well, it was a great thing you did. And when you, when you came, do you remember when we used to go to the yoga classes by Joe on her, on her deck overlooking the beach? Yes. And, and I think at the time too, you were having a, you know, you were, I think, um, I wouldn't say at war, but you were having a little battle with your physical body and how you felt about it your femi your, as a female, as a woman in life. And 
our time spent with the horses and we started the, uh, remember we did the waterhole rituals from Carolyn Resnick. And so you had, you, got, you were getting all this experience of learning to connect with horses at Liberty as we played with our horses, Shiloh and Greyjoy in the pasture and on the beach and going to yoga classes. So how did this, um, this experience of being with horses, of not sort of training them, of actually connecting with horses and having a yoga practice, did this help you in any way in your perspective of you as how you saw yourself physically and how you saw yourself as a woman? Yes, it's, it certainly did because, you know, it's the Caribbean, so you are little, you're always more relaxed because of the weather and, and the people and, and the, especially the yoga and the horses. It gave me a time which I have never had in my life was just to be just to be, you know, just to be and to learn from you and to to be with the horses, to do yoga, where I started to understand also more. I wasn't still, I was still not feeling 100% comfortable doing yoga, but I started to see more nice things about it. And I started to believe also more that I was capable of, of you know, that of doing some yoga. And I think, I believe, at that time, I wasn't really conscious about it because I didn't know what will happen after I, I left your place. But it gave me a sort of base or a sort of feeling that I would always, that I would always return back to that while I was dealing with all the things that came after. Because, you know, after you, I went to a place which was very rigid and training and discipline and, you know, for where horses. people, yes, yeah, horses. for horses. So they, you know, when I first launched the horse, they were, laughing at me <laughs> on my way I was like hopping around at my horse so they were in in lots of ways like completely the opposite of what I had experienced at your place so it really gave me a hold on to to know that even I was sometimes seen as a little bit crazy for them I was not <laughs> because there were other people living like that yeah. so you, you came from a place where we were working and being with horses um, letting them have their free will. It was really based on connection, letting the horse be free. Everything we did, the horse had the right to say yes or no. So it became our willing partner. And all, of course, all my horses are always outside and free. So in a restricted training program, the horses were always inside. And it, even if they, they do beautiful things at Liberty, you were, I remember you saying how frustrated you were that the horses didn't have enough freedom and that you didn't feel there was enough basis on the connection and I remember saying to you patience grasshopper patience learn from these masters because they truly are masters and their yeah. training techniques are wonderful and they do these beautiful things and find your balance with that find use this as another tool to use this and then add what we did together onto that but I'll always learn because we can always learn from so many people and maybe if it doesn't resonate with us completely there's still a part of it that can be, uh, can be used. So that's why I think our, all our experiences are always valid. I mean, the bad ones or the good ones or the difficult ones and the, the happy ones. And I think you, 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 you were able to, to bring that two together and find your balance with it after. Yes, I must say that, that actually, after this whole uh, COVID-19 uh, quarantine, that this finally happened this year only and that was after the circle you know that I came back to your place last uh, December November and followed the YTT training and that was finally like the beginning of me finding confidence in what I'm doing um, meaning being an artist and an acrobat 
because I have always been training physically and, and uh, as an artist without 100% believing in it. And you can you could see that. You could see it in my training. You could see it in my results. You can see it in my, I do hand-to-hand with my partner. So you really need to be confident in that. And um, I was always always holding myself back a little bit. And I, I did that for all the year when I was left, leaving your place and I was training with the people from Cavalia. And I did, I did things, but I wasn't fully, fully committed to it in, in the sense of believing it. Mm-hmm. So I got, you know, I got injuries. I, I've, I had to struggle with a lot of obstacles before I could truly um, understand it and really decide to do, I mean, to really follow through. Because mm-hmm. I had always, like, we are working on a project now with a, to make a show with people from Guinea, and I so much believe in this project to share the story. And now, like, after I came back from uh, the YTT training, I really decided upon it, and then the quarantine, quarantine came, and I had time to train, to make a trainings program, to make it really um, consistent. And, and this year, this year changed a lot about me. I mean, since the YTT, I changed a lot. Like it was like a beginning again of a next cycle. Like when I came from your place, it was a cycle. And now like coming back to your place, another cycle started, which with more, I mean, just like, you know, with progress, that's, that's how, how life goes. I guess we have to go through those years of battle and insecurity and finding ways to deal with our obstacles, you know, and then to, to progress in the end. So how did your, your experience of the YTT and your, your continued practice of yoga help you come to this place? What, what tools your practice through the yamas and niyamas, which just to explain to our listeners, um, yamas and niyamas are, are like our personal observances, our moral codes in yoga. It's how we need to behave. We should behave outwards to others in the rest of the world and also how we balance ourselves and how we, we see ourselves and how we connect to ourselves. So it's like different, um, in, in, for instance, the yamas, it's about practicing non-harm, whether it's to our own selves, or through our thoughts or for physical actions and to others and to all life. And then it's about being truthful. I mean, that's a whole topic of on our own. But just how was your experience? And you can talk about either the yamas or niyamas or not or any something else in your yoga practice that has helped you have a foundation or given you strength and to help you be grounded and centered to find this balance in your life where you, like you said, that you didn't fully believe in yourself or you didn't fully participate in what you were doing. It was almost like you weren't fully believing in you and you weren't, um, didn't have faith in the, the movement of life around you. So did yoga help you find your connection to this? Yes, and I think more in general, really the YTT, like the yoga teacher training, because, you know, yoga is, is it's a big word. And before I did not understand yoga as I understand it now. And the difference was just um, study. It was just people explaining to me. It was learning. It was being surrounded with people who also want to learn that way, being surrounded with teachers and, and um and progressing like you know at the at the end of the YTT you need to give a class yourself and I was I surprised myself at how how good it felt to do that like I didn't have any insecurities or I wasn't overthinking myself or doubting myself I was just doing it fluently 
And I really realized that to get somewhere, you just need to work for it. I mean, it's not a, there is no, it's not a big secret. Huh? It's just, it's work. And I remember also that was what the people, you know, from my equestrian training also always said, the liberty, it's not a secret. It's just a lot of work. And, you know, sometimes you believe from yourself, I, um, this is nothing for me, or can I do this or can I not do this? Or there is something wrong with me because I don't progress as much, but those are all just questions because you are not really working for it. And I, all those years now that I have trained before this year, I sometimes wonder what was I really doing? Because yes, I was training, but mentally I was not 100% fully there. So I was not progressing as much. In the last four months that I have been training now, I have progressed more than I did in the last two years before this. I do things now that I thought I will never be capable of doing this. And the only difference is it's a consistent, consistent trainings program. It's guidance from people who have a lot more experience than I do. And, and that's it. It's teachers and trainings programs and believing in yourself and committing yourself to it. And the YTT really showed that to me like that. If I mean, there were people committed and there were people less committed. Mm -hmm. And you could see that at the end of our journey, the people who were really committed were ready for it. You know, they, they would progress much more than the people who were there, but still thinking, you know, can I be a yoga teacher? Uh, is this good for me? Who are still in that, in that process, which is totally fine, but they are still in the process of thinking about it rather mm -hmm. than committing to it, deciding upon it and following through. So that's a big difference for me. And I, I finally understood that, that there is nothing wrong with me because I didn't do circus school and because I haven't been acrobat since I was, you know, 10 years old. It's just a difference of believing in it and committing to committing yourself to it. And, and then you understand, like when, uh, when YTT, when the yoga was explained to me as a tradition and the history behind it and, and everything, I could study for it. I mean, it was a whole world opening up for me and I could really understand now why we are doing those asanas, why we are doing, you know, physical practice into it. And um, yeah, it really opened up a pathway for me to, to pull that through in my life because, you know, at the end... We, we don't live to do yoga, but we do yoga to make our lives better. So, I mean, that really was, was helping for me this year, the YTT. And when you're, what we learned about the yamas and the niyamas, so it's like a kind of, you know, moral code to, um, to live your life by. And I think we don't have to see like in, in a big picture as, you know, I'm a moral person, so I mm -hmm. will never lie. Or it's more like... In your daily life, you know, when you are, it's in the small things. The more you change things in the small things, the better your overall picture will be. I, I always remember my, my teacher saying, the sacred is in the common. Mm -hmm. And she was right, you know, doing the dishes, there is sacredness mm -hmm. inside if you really focus on it. Mm -hmm. just, just those small things, if you learn how to to pull your practice from yoga, meditation, the, all those, the moral values of it into the small daily lives, your life will be sacred. Because that's something which has always bothered me a little bit about human life is how, not how vulgar, I don't know the word in English, like how the, the banality of it, how people treat everything as, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just this, you know, mm -hmm. as if nothing really matters in life. But if you could only change that attitude 
to then, I mean, your whole life will change. Taking a shower, um, you know, everything. I remember a, move, a movement teacher saying, even, what do you say, even making a crap, you have to be the best version of yourself. <laughs> so even going to the toilet, you have to be the best version of yourself. <laughs> be aware, there, yes. Yes, yes there, there is no next year. There is no next month. There's only happening now. If you are not taking the moment, you know, like I could say in one year we have the premiere of our show. You know, that's, you could say that's a long time from now, but it's not. I mean, if I will say uh, next year I will do that, how will I ever be the best version of myself on that scene? I will not, you know. I will have to overcome my fears for a new movement, for whatever, to do it now. Because in one year I want to be better than, than who I am now, you know. So that's that's something that the moral codes of, of yoga really, um, really t- taught me also. Also in dealing with my two years old, I, I think I have a, <laughs> I, you know, she's also a Taurus, so she can be pretty stubborn. <laughs> but um, hey, don't speak bad about my Maya, my little forest fairy, <laughs> my love of my life. Yes, she she's really a nice child. But it, I mean, I have my own issues to deal with in raising a child, and I really have to, um, I really have to focus on the ahimsa part, you know, the non-violence way, because I have. I have a lot of anger inside of myself that I have to deal with in some kind of way, anger, you know, with the world, with with some kind of stuff. And I really need to find a way to um, to not over-exaggerate in my reacting to things that other people do. Because sometimes you can become really angry about something small and, you know, point your finger because this happened or this is what he did or this is mm-hmm. what she did. But it actually comes from, you know, from yourself and you know, asking yourself why you became so angry and, you know, all those kind of questions you ask yourself, the, the yoga pathway did, does help yes. me with that. Yes, we can't, we can't control what other people say or do or behave. We can't control the situation of the war, of the world, but we, 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 ha- we can control how we react to it. We, ha- we have the ability to respond. So it, it's, Sadhguru talks a lot about this, about um, responsibility, meaning the ability to respond, and that we are in control of our how we respond to a situation. And so you could we can we, we it, there's lots of reasons to be angry in this world. The way different things are being handled, etc. How things are overlooked, and it is frustrating. But and we we feel lack of control because what can we do about it? So always we hold on is to this anger and frustration about it. But when we can start to say, okay, well, there is something I can do and look for the ways that we can do, which even if it's in a small, very small context, and like you say, finding that magic in the small things again. And when you do find that magic in the small things again, that permeates outwards, outwards to your daughter, outwards to your, your, your partner, outwards to your community, to the life around you. And it just starts with those little seeds, with those, those little wavelets that become big waves and become an ocean. And that's what we can do. If we walk around with a grumpy face and miserable and angry at all the world, we're just creating more of that energy. Whereas if we create, and it's not forceful positivity, we can't just go out there with a big smile, I'm going to be, that, that's not what I mean. I mean, really about finding that, those, just being quiet for a moment and finding those moments where you feel joy or where you feel peace and happiness. And it's all around us all the time. It's in a little butterfly. I know it sounds maybe a little bit la-la for a lot of people too, but it, it is what is important. This is life. This is the spice of life. Life is around us. It's how we see it that can change the world. 
Yes, and it's not, you know, I, I am not saying that people cannot have big ambitions in life because mm -hmm. I have for myself big ambitions, which are sometimes really frustrating because, you know, you need to have a lot of patience to realize those things. But I also, somebody, another teacher of me from, even from the horse world, you know, he said to me, when I understand something, when I don't understand something, when I have a big ambition to realize, I see it as like a very complex machine, but that machine has different parts that I can take out and you just start with one part and then you the next part until you see the bigger picture. And so it's, it's basically just saying, you know, you go step by step, but it's, um, it doesn't mean that if you have big ambitions and, and that you can't combine that with really living in the moment to be present and seeing the sacred and the, and the common things and, And that's it, because, you know, if you if you don't understand presence, then your life just passes by by yourself. And that's something, again, that the horses has so much to teach us. And it's, it's presence. You know, if you want to work with horses, you need this focus. You need this presence that I mean, it can be horses. It can be, I don't know, some kind of wild sport. It can be bungee jumping. It can be whatever mm. where you need that focus being in the moment you know that it's almost like an adrenaline kicking in your in your body saying okay now you need to pay attention and a practice like that can help through horses through yoga through acrobatics whatever until you find that 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 tool in other moments of your life you know sometimes i'm so busy on something and and maya you know my daughter is playing and i forget to to also be present for that for that mm -hmm. moment and sharing that with somebody else. And that, that can be on all kinds of levels and all kinds of classes, you know, whatever background you have, if it's university or physical, or if you are high up in here in a social class or whatever, it's something that everybody has the power to do. That's something so powerful. It means that every human being has somewhere you have control over. I mean, it's this power of being present and being in your life. Even if you think your life is shitty and doesn't mean a lot, I mean, you can make it mean mean a lot. You know, mm -hmm. it's your, it's up to you. I mean, so true and so important. So before we go, I would just like you to talk about Great Joy. I know you have a special attachment to him, and you met him when you first came to visit, and you were with him again. And Greyjoy is a horse that um, had a very difficult uh, beginning before we got him. And he's a horse that was almost uh, put down. He's almost died three times and survived all three times. He has a very, he's a very grounded horse. He's quite a dominant horse, but he, he is a, a very magical horse. And you had a strong affinity to him. Would you like to talk a little bit about Greyjoy with us and your connection to horses and what he reminded you? Uh, Greyjoy. Greyjoy was just like love at first sight, you know, it's something you can't, you can't really explain why you have this chemical reaction to somebody and Greyjoy was just that, I just love his, his confidence, you know, he's just, he's there and it's like a horse. You know, he's like a, a little bit of a truck horse, you know, he's, he's not that. <laughs> he's a bulldozer. He's not that, 
he's not that nimble and he's not that elegant, but he's he's like so overconfident about his own attitude that I think at that moment I was also really looking for that inside of myself, you know. And now the last time I saw Greja and I was understanding that confidence a little bit better, I like it was like, you know, those good old times, you know, friend where, you know, where you bulldoze your way. And I was like, Gretchen, what are you doing? Now I understand what you were doing. Yes, I understand why you were like crawling between that fence and, you know, looking for your own way. And I just had a, yes, determination, something that I can really connect with because it is true. Once I have an idea in my head, I, I, I will not stop before I realize that are like very determined to um to go for go for things in life and Greyjoy is a magnificent horse to teach that to people to find this rooted confidence you know of you know this is me and and I will not apologize for it this is who I am and that's it you know that is really Greyjoy and he's yeah, it truly is yeah he is really something and horses have helped me true life even if I'm not around horses or training with them I have some horses in life who have always like been with me when I'm in difficult situations I will just close my eyes I will think about this horse connect with connect with it and and that will just give me strength you know to to go through something we all need yeah well, thank you so much Natalie for being with us today for sharing your experiences your dreams and your your personal stories with us has been really it's been wonderful thank you so much thank you for inviting me and i definitely hope to see you and your beautiful family with us again next year hope you can make it i hope this the world finds its balance out of the chaos we're in and new opportunities and possibilities will exist for in a new world i, I truly believe it's going to be a different world i hope it'll be a different world in a very positive way but it's going to take its time before we get there. And it's going to take commitment and discipline on humanity to figure this out, to, to figure that this out from a place not of control and, and really dictatorship in many ways, but from a place of compassion, a place of empathy, a place of expansion towards life, towards each other. And this is going to take humanity time, but I've, we're learning our lessons and I have a, I'm hopeful for our future. Yes, I'm hopeful too. For people like you and the world and teachers around us, there is always hope. There's always hope. So for our listeners, I would just like to say another little word before we leave you. Um, so thank you for taking this time to, to travel with us on a little of our journeys and with Natalie today. And remember, keep your hearts open to new ways of thinking, to new possibilities. It's not what's happening around us and to us, but more how we perceive and how we react to it. So take the time, the time to go inward and to listen to your inner voice, find that inner wisdom, to find that courage and fearlessness that you need to go on, to create the life that you, your soul, your dharma needs to live. We all have a dharma, we all have a purpose but we have to find, we have to listen to that voice. We have to hear it. And then we have to find that courage and that discipline to move on. Nothing's easy and nothing changes overnight, but it begins with our each and every one. It begins with you, begins with me. And we have to take that step if we want a better world for us, for our children and for those to come. 
Um, so if you'd like to, you can join our classes to, if you want to find more classes on yoga and meditation and how we connect with horses, you can join us and find us on, through our podcasts on Spotify and podcast and Apple and also on Google. You can join our um, Patreon account. Both are under the name Yogi Horsewoman. And you can also check our website out at horses.yoga. And for those that would like any more um, information, please send us an email and we'd be happy to connect with you and share more of what we know with you. Until then, may there be peace in our hearts, peace in our lives, peace in the world. I wish you all a beautiful and wonderful and happy day. Namaste. And namaste, Natalie, to you and your family. <laughs> namaste.